Welcome back, everybody. Go Deep Podcast coming to you live. We had a wonderful holiday break uh, for Thanksgiving. Had some good food. Spent time with family. I'm sure we all we all did. Lauren, AJ, you guys spent some time with the fam? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. It was a good time. Right. Good, good, good. Coming back to y'all. Big week full of news. Uh, but as always, let's quickly introduce ourselves. My name is Eric Ramirez. I'm coming to you live from Damascus, Maryland. Your local and very bipolar Jets fan. Uh, <laughs> if you see my Twitter, you would think I hate them. If you talk to me in real life, we're geniuses. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to the top-not rocking martial artist leftist, my man AJ. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, this is AJ coming to you live from Shady Grove. Uh, I am a Washington sports team, so that's uh, Caps, Wizards, uh, football team, uh, except with the sole exception of my beloved Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Dinadan Jets. Uh, I'd pass it over to my main man with the beard. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Lauren. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore heap 21. I'm a Washington football team fan, Wizards, anything DC sports related. So uh, all this winning has got me really hyped. I think we're going to go ahead and piggyback off of that real quick. Uh, Washington's doing quite a bit of winning winning uh this year uh and i want to give a very special and big highlight and a shout out to our very own washington spirit uh, a women's national women's soccer league uh champs yep Yep. Uh, i I said women twice because you know very important Um, (laughs) and i'm just an idiot like that but no it's a big deal they 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 face a lot of adversity uh aj i know you followed that uh quite a bit and you, you even highlighted this out to me. I didn't even know this, but uh, you want to give give the listeners a bit of a background to that? Yeah, uh, we at Go Deep Podcast has been have been following the Washington Spirit this year. Uh, they made a lot of uh, they've been a big splash um, with the National Women's Soccer League, which is a burgeoning um, uh, women's soccer league here in the United States. Um, and there was there was a big splash made earlier this year when uh, basically the entire league blew up due to um, uh, multiple and pervasive. Um, uh, accusations and confirmed instances of abuse uh towards the players both of a uh, racial nature and of uh and in in the case of um uh of some other teams sexual harassment and sexual abuse as well um and uh thoroughly reported on by the athletics so i encourage you guys to go if you don't have a, a subscription to the athletic i, I encourage you to pick one up because uh, the reporting is very good um, but in particular in washington um there were allegations of racial abuse uh towards some of the players a coach was forced to resign uh, the head coach was forced to resign, and um, uh, in addition to that, the one of the members of the front office was sort of sidelined. Uh, the rest of the team have encouraged that partial owner to sell his shares of the team to one of the other, um, one of the co-owners uh, of that team because of his uh, his particular allegations. Um, but uh, despite all of those off the field, um, off the field, and I guess technically those also on the field in, um, issues. Uh, the Washington Spirit were able to overcome all of that in order to become the National Women's Soccer League champions this year. Um, they were down early, uh, down one to one nil. Um, it took a penalty, a PK in the 67th minute uh, to tie the game up, and then after that, they just completely ran the Chicago uh, Chicago's team right out of uh, right off the field, uh, wore them down, and were, were able to win a game in extra time. So, um, so shout out to the Washington Spirit. Congratulations! Story is completely and utterly inspiring. Um, and, uh, you know, looking forward to some more success here in DC. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's interesting too, because, uh, one of the things that, um, the athletic pointed out was that 
you know, the Washington Spirit were giving up a lot of goals before that had that particular problematic head coach resigned. Um, there were some issues with their defensive mechanics. Um, and since that head coach was gone, you know, it translated to on the field success because they were able to work on that uh, with the with the new head coach or the interim head coach. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, all of a sudden you've got a championship caliber team. So I think um, I think one of the things that goes to show one of the lessons you have to draw from this is that, you know, um, those that, that's sort of off the field. And I say off the field, but technically a lot of this abuse happened on the field sort of abusive, uh, non-transparent, um, very uh, uh, unaccountable actions on behalf of the front office and on uh, on management side uh, results in, in a poor product on the field. Um, you know, you treat your players like crap. You're not you're going to get a crap product. That's that's kind of the end of the day. So I think it only uh, serves the interest of the game and the interest of um, of, of a good product on the field uh, for the players um, to you know, exert their leverage at the bargaining table, have a good agreement and uh, make sure that all the players are protected throughout the league. Um, and I think we, you know, I think if that's the case, we can look forward to some elevated play. I think like the interesting part about the whole story to me too, is like, so soccer um, or football for the people overseas, um, you know, those, those listeners overseas for us, um, football is one of those sports where like you were mentioning, right. The product is really, it's heavily influenced not only by like what happens off the field, but in that locker room or like in those meetings or those trainings, like compared to football or, or probably like maybe even baseball where there might be like a little bit separation for positions and stuff. Soccer is most similar to basketball where like a lot of that chemistry amongst the team and the coaches and all that, and like the comfortability of the dialogue, like that all, that all really makes a big difference. And like the closest example I can have that's uh, to that is like, for example, Barcelona right now, uh, we just brought on Xavi, um, who's like an, our, one of the best midfielders uh, from Spain. He played for Barcelona for years. And like immediately we saw a turnaround with the team. And it just shows that like it doesn't matter if it's like if they're uh, part of like La Liga in Spain or they're part of the National Women's Soccer League here. Like the players should have a big say in what goes on, like who they bring in, who the trainers are, who the managers are, because I mean, if if they if you bring in someone who's immediately just like creating a toxic environment, the product's going to be terrible. So it was like you said, it's inspiring. Uh, huge shout out to the to the Washington Spirit. We love to see it. Um, it'd be nice to see them go on like go on and have like a few more runs. That'd be dope as hell. Sweet is that, huh? How sweet is it? You go through all those things, you uh, the all the all the on the field and off the field stuff, like AJ highlighted, and you come out with the championship. I can't help but uh, correlate it to the Washington football team. You know, for years, why have we been bad? Why have we been awful? And it's like AJ said, the way you treat people, come to find out, all the sexual harassment's coming out, all the front office. Um, DEA kicking in our front door, you know, kind of things like those, those random things you hear. And it, it you know, it, it's like AJ said, when you purge those people out that you really can change the culture and change the way that an organization is run. Um, the biggest, the only thing I could think I could correlate kind of this too is, and he's not like he was a horrible person when he was here, like really bad or like did anything awful, but was when Bryce went to the Phillies and the next year we won the title. And then people were like, uh so what exactly happened in the, in the locker room after Bryce left and they're like oh they, you know it changed a little bit it got a little bit friendlier and stuff like and you know I never really got a clear answer but I just remember hearing that from the players they're like did Bryce leaving you know do it mean like have an effect and some guys are just kind of like 
uh, you know, next question, you know, so, you know, and, and it's not that who knows what, who knows what he really did or didn't do, but you know, it's, you get rid of, you purge some of those, the, you purge those the people out or you purge, you know, and the next thing you know, you put a run together and you get hot. That's sports. That's what you got to love about it. So it's got to feel really great for them. I can't, I couldn't imagine, you know, facing all that scrutiny and the next thing you know, uh, or facing all that, you get rid of that head coach and then your team clicks and you go on a run and you just get hot. And that's got to feel great. That's got to be sweet. So I'm super happy for him. Like Eric, like you guys said, super, super, uh, super inspirational. Yeah, they were basically out of uh, they they forfeited two games due to health and safety protocols. And then they basically were no, not basically. They were undefeated since September uh, all the way up until now. So just a completely dominant performance at the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, completely amazing to see, um, you know, uh, especially after all of the all the off, um, you know, all the all the extracurricular nonsense. That's nuts. That's absolutely bonkers, man. Good going on a run like that. And the cool part too was um I forgot the 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 captain's name who went to the game last night. Do you happen to have that on on hand, AJ? Um who they highlighted in the article, but um they won they won the championship and then they they got to go to the game last night for Washington football team. Yes, uh hang on one second. I uh her name is Shoot, I just I just looked it up and then I forgot. I forgot. It's Kelly O'Hara. That's that's who it is. Got it. Well, it was it's awesome because she was there on the sideline. You sent me like you sent us the article and like the very first picture that we saw was her literally on the sidelines and then Ron mm-hmm. Rivera giving her like a shout out and all that. Um, so it's good to see that their good juju rubbed off on Ron because boy, that Monday night game. Oh yeah. Yo, I won't even hold y'all when so when y'all went up. Uh, nine to what was it nine to seven at the end of the first half and then they blocked the extra point oh and returned it for two points and it was tied nine nine i was like this is the most washington thing i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and i think i remember you guys in the group chat both y'all just going what the, what the hell's going on of course we do this on a monday night yo so so i'm gonna start off with lauren here my guy <laughs> tell me what was going through your mind at half bro uh yeah, it was the uh typical uh we're on Monday night football, we're doing really good, and then we find our ways to shoot ourselves right in the foot. And of course, the 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 one thing I've never ever seen happen in my entire life of remembering football games, so like 10 on, is someone block a PAT, return it, our kicker pulls his hamstring in the process as he gets you know, and he falls to the ground, our punter gets stiff armed into the ground or pushed off. Uh, he looked like he was trying to steal that guy's person. He just threw him to the ground. So, you know, it uh, it's just wild. I couldn't believe – I could, you know, I, my jaw was on the floor. Well, I feel like along with AJ, we just looked at each other like, that is the most Washington football team uh, thing I have ever seen, and especially on Monday night. So, yeah, no, it was uh, – it was like, how, you know, we had all the momentum. It had swung. It, it, we, we, we felt like maybe we had gotten control of the game, and then they get that two points, and it just took all the air out of the building, I felt like. So, yeah, it was my, my – yeah, like I said, my jaw was on the floor, and I was pretty I was pretty, I was pretty peeved. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it, – for some reason, Washington just does not know how to finish a half out. I don't know what that's about, or, or but, like, I mean, we ha- earlier in the year we had the Hail Mary. Like, just, just the most random crap – you know, and it's, it's just, it's, this is what it means to be a Washington football fan. You have to witness some of the most bizarre and ridiculous, uh, you know, excuses to give up points at the end of a half, I guess. Um, he's, the, he's the first player ever. I'm pretty sure to re- block a field extra point and return it or block. He's the first player ever to block it, block it, pick it up and return it for two points. And it had, that hasn't yeah. happened. It's in like 
like 10 years. Like, I feel like since they made the rule, it hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Like, it's just rare. Just, of course, it's us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, it happens to us. That's just kind of our luck. Uh, but I mean, the rest of the game was still good. Uh, at least, it, you know, that still went in our favor. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching the offensive line um, completely dominate control of time of possession. That's the most time of possession we've uh, had in a game since 19, or the most since 1987. We had 41 minutes we held the ball out of the 60 there. Uh, and anytime you're holding the ball for more than two thirds of the game, that's going to be a good sign for you and your football team. Um, and the fact of the matter is that Russell Wilson just didn't have that many chances to score. Um, yeah. And, you know, because of that, you know, and, and the other thing that was encouraging too is getting off the field on third downs earlier in the season. One of the big problems for the Washington football team has been their inability to get off the field on third down, uh, giving up long plays. We had like third and 15s, third and 20s that we were giving up. Uh, and that just didn't happen today um, or yesterday. Um, the Washington football team defense looked very sharp. And it's ironic because we're missing two of our strongest players in Montez Sweat and Char- uh, Chase Young. Um, but the defensive line uh, would not be deterred at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. Um, they were able to get key penetrations on multiple multiple key third downs and really shut down the the Seattle Seahawks running game. Uh, and without that running game, you know, Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson, of course, but he's operating with a busted finger um, that he probably came back a little too early on. And it really shows in some of the throws. You know, we got we got kind of lucky because he's missing his throws a, a lot of his spots. Um, and so, you know, with that with that being the case, uh, we were able to sneak in there and, and steal the victory. Um, Mina Kimes from ESPN famously has said that uh, Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks have never played a normal primetime game before, um, and she's right. Uh, one of the cool, one of the weirdest things that happened in that game, uh, you know, and I'm saying this in a game in which there was a blocked field goal, a PAT return for two point uh, conversion. Uh, one of the weirdest things happened at the end. So the Seahawks drove down and scored right at the end of the game. Um, they were not able to complete the two point conversion, so they're down two points um, in the waning seconds uh, of the game. They line up, kick a kick an onside kick, and it gets the first one. They actually recover, but it gets called back because some player on the other side of the field was standing in the wrong spot. Uh, easily one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. But it turns it, it turns out it's an illegal formation, so uh, they had to kick it again and lost the second one. So it was like, but it was it was a bizarre like. Mina Kimes is right. The Seahawks don't have normal primetime games. This was a weird game. Um, but Washington's ability to control the clock, Antonio Gibson had well over 100 rushing yards, uh, no fumbles to this this game, which is something he needed to work on. Um, and uh, uh, once again, Taylor Heineke pulls rabbits out of hats uh, constantly. Um, one of his most memorable plays was this uh, really great scramble where he uh, eludes Bobby Wagner uh, and then ducks uh, another linebacker, blitzing linebacker, like literally just ducks. Uh, guy goes right over top of him and then uh, scrambles for like three or four yards. But it, what what it really did was just turn a negative, turn a completely negative play into like three or four yards. It was crazy. My dad and I lost our minds when we saw that. <laughs> <laughs> we thought he was down bad. twice. We thought twice he was down, and it was just like, no, he's still on his feet. It was crazy. Oh, he's, he's a little he's squirrely back there. He's a little squirrely. He gets uh, he can get away, elude that pressure. But uh, I think that you know I'm I'm looking at the stats here. We held them to ten first downs. Um, only 34 rushing yards. Uh, you know, I was telling AJ this last night. I'll highlight this as well. He did a good job breaking down to the, some weird moments and things like that. But uh, I think at Landon Collins at this Buffalo nickel might have extended his career by another couple more years. 
whether with us or someone else, uh, he's That's really great. turned a corner because uh, that fumble was huge. Him getting and and, and you know. Uh, who, who knows if he's playing if he's playing safety maybe he doesn't make that play right like who knows I, i've got to go back and check the tape again when he's lined up but his responsibility I, I thought was probably that running back so you know right after taylor the threw box. an interception huh it was in the box yeah 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 taylor threw that interception and uh and then uh which wasn't really kind of his fault but uh and then uh landing came up with that clutch uh um that clutch fumble. And that was big because, you know, and me, I always pay attention to this as the turnover battle. So like, if we go minus one, if we, if we throw an interception, I go, okay, we got to get even. If we're going to win this game, we got to get even. And I was like, yeah. And so he was able to do it, but it was just an all around um, dominant performance. I felt like from the team, if our kicker uh, alluded to didn't pull his hamstring, we probably would have kicked the field goal at the end of the game there and gone up 20 to uh, 20 to nine. And then um, they Seattle, you know, kick off and then Seattle's got to go score. They, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked out, but man, Talk about it. We got we get down in the red zone. Can't punch it in because we don't have a kicker. Can't score because we don't have a kicker. Russ gets the ball back with what? Well, no timeouts in like a minute six. Somehow gets it to scores. They score a touchdown, but they have to go for two because uh, we went for two and got it. So you know, it's not lost on me. Like our offensive line dominated, but it's not lost on me that we beat a really bad Seattle team. And like there were some ugly. I feel like there was some 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 interesting moments for us as well. So it'll make the matchup against uh, Las Vegas really interesting. Uh, the the Raiders. So, I mean, we'll see. It was a it was a, it was fun though. It was fun. It was really fun to win on a Monday uh, Monday night because those primetime games usually are pretty ugly for us, and we tend to tend to drop the ball. So we had our moments. You know, we were trying we were trying to lose the game ourselves. You know, let left side of that off that that kick or uh, PAT folding and you know, um, kind of things like that. But we stung around and we fought. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. And now we're in the seventh seed. So we're technically, if the if NFL season start, uh, playoff started tomorrow, we'd be in the playoffs. So, playoffs, which is, baby. which is wild on the, we're on this three Oh run. So we're on a winning streak. So this is awesome. You got to enjoy it while it lasts. Playoffs. You talk about playoffs. <laughs> nah, yo, I was also very, like, I was super pumped to see Curtis Samuel finally back in the lineup. Uh, y'all gave him, Y'all used him the way that they, he was using C, uh, in Carolina, which is dope. You know, just like give him the ball quick, let him make plays in the in the field. So I know you guys were easing him in, but it was dope to see him finally out there. Um, and JD McKissick, man, I mean, I hated seeing him get carted off. Um, it doesn't seem like it's anything too serious, but that man was having a game, bro. Like that screen that y'all dumped off to him. Where he made he made those two quick cuts and then just accelerated. That move was clean, bro. Oh man! I turned to AJ I, right before he scored. I turned to AJ because uh, Gibson was in, and I, I turned to AJ. I was like, I want to see more JD. I want to see more JD McKissick here in this red zone. I want to see. It. And the next thing, no, he was in. Boom! Touchdown! Threw it to him. Touchdown! And I was like, This is what I'm talking about. This man makes plays, bro. This he's man just makes so plays. shifty. So mm-hmm. shifty. That man is people, nuts, people, bro. people be sleeping on him because uh, you know Antonio Gibson, right? In, in some ways, rightfully picks up a lot of attention with his intangible, not intangibles, with his tangibles. Like he's fast, right. he's big, big hands. Uh, he, he, and his vision, I mean, his ability to cut is, is pretty unreal. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so he sort of t- takes up the oxygen in the room. But the thing is, J.D. McKissick, uh, my man knows how to score some touchdowns. And, uh, you know, he, he makes for the pylon. He does it well. So Yeah. Yo, the other guy, so the other guy that y'all both put me on way back in like week three, um, and I've been watching him, and he's growing into it. Is Andre Carter, fam? DeAndre Carter, baby, get that yeah. man on the field, bro. <laughs> yep, yep. He is nice with it. Mm-hmm. Like he is so slept on in in your wide receiver cores. Like I feel all the attention goes to Terry, rightfully because Terry's insane. 
top five wide receiver in the league. But, but then you got my man Carter out here just making plays left and right, fam. Like you know, the person he reminds me most of is Jamison Crowder. Back when Jamison Crowder played for us, like he's sure. that he's that type. He's he's uh, and Jamison Crowder's returning kicks for us too. He's got good feet. He's got on field vision. He's, he's good after he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, and you know, the thing is, he's actually got pretty good hands. I, I don't. I'm I'm unsure. Well, that's not that I'm unsure. I know why he's he is in the depth chart where he is as far as receivers are concerned. But like the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, you get him the ball. Uh, let him let him make some moves, and my man knows how to chew up some yardage. So, uh, and, and the other thing is, like, I don't think I've seen him drop uh, drop a pass so far. Lauren, I, I don't know if you remember any drops with his, but I can't remember him dropping a single pass this year. Uh, so no, far. I don't. So I don't at all. I think uh, I think they, there's been games where, like this, the uh, uh, the Saints game, he uh, he got underthrown and things like that. Like those sort of things have happened to him. But I think the ball, if the ball hits his hands, he's 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 bringing it in. So I think you're spot on. Uh, how, how wild is this team, right? You know, last night me and AJ kind of rolled our eyes the whole night talking about Taylor Heineke's story. But Andre Carter was a sub, was a teacher. He was teaching when he was he was teaching. He was a uh, either a sub or a full time like like uh, uh, grade school teacher. And uh, we gave yeah. him a call like, "Yo, we need we we need like come in, come work out for us." And look what he turned into. You know, he talked about extending people's careers. You know, this is gonna get hit, land him a contract either with us or someone else. And I hope it's yeah. with us. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's AJ kind of said, even though last night he had some scary moments, you know, talking about maybe trying to throw the game away, muff some punts there. But uh, uh, short of that, he's he's been solid. And AJ yeah. said it earlier in the year that we finally have someone that can it feels good to finally have a, like a return man back there. That's just someone you can kind of trust and someone, you know, that isn't going to make a bonehead play or at least can pick or has an ability to bust one. You know, I think he almost did last night. I think he got close last night once or twice. But um, no, it's, it's it's he's an amazing story. It's it, what's wild too is how like with the players we have, how like we're not like like uh, I saw some guy tweet that the high top top highest paid quarterbacks, and you know and you know we're paying Taylor Heineke like a million. We're paying like uh, Andre Carter's production. We're playing him like a million. When teams are p- playing way more than that for that like for those positions and things like that. So I think that's just kind of wild. But uh, we were able to find this talent, I guess, is my point. Like, they're talent hey, yo, evaluators. Guys, it's DeAndre Carter. Put some respect on his name, y'all. DeAndre Carter. DeAndre Carter. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a great game for y'all last night. Um, I didn't I didn't realize you're on a three-game winning streak. So that's pretty big. Um, it's it's another one of those situations, right? Like, like just like the spirit. You go on a streak, and next thing you know, you guys are now seven seed. Hey, maybe the Jets help y'all out. Drop the Eagles down to win, uh, you know, a notch. Y'all go into December twelfth. Surprise the Cowboys, who are like Cowboys, a little shaky. Cowboys lose on Sun. Cowboys lose on Thursday night. So you know, who knows? You know, we've made it. We've 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 won enough now that the division's still in uh, reach, especially because yeah. of these last five divisional games too. So, which will be a gauntlet. That's going to be brutal. Um, it'd be really. It's really hard to beat a team twice in a year, and I couldn't imagine seeing them twice in the span of three weeks or two weeks. So but I feel like that's kind of like you guys are like the Washington team is hitting the point where like you're getting your litmus test, right? Like you either nut up or shut up. And then you, you, it'll give you a good idea of if you make playoffs, can you compete or is it like a flu kind of sneak? I think, in? I think the biggest thing for me is that we've, what I've, what I've noticed is I feel like we've kind of found our identity and like what we do, what we do best, right? We, we, our offensive line just owns D lines and we run the ball really well. 
and let Taylor do Taylor things, but like keep him in a don't like don't need don't ask him to do too much one way or too much the other way. Get the running game established, get the ball going, and then t- let Taylor work some magic when it's time. The run, get the game going off the play action, and I think the past three games we've done that. We've done that really, really well, and I think that's going to be our identity going forward. Our offensive line coach needs to get a raise immediately because he we were on our fourth our fourth center last night, and uh, yeah. he came in and filled the came in didn't miss a beat, didn't miss a beat. My, my and man, so and the third, yeah, and the third center, um, the center got hurt before him is a guard. We had him at a guard as our guard, and he was a good guard, and then we had to switch him to center because yeah, what's, so, what's you know, Schweitzer? Our, what's I don't Schweitzer? remember who the new guy was, but he was he was impressive. I gotta say, Ismail, Ismail, yeah, he came. Yeah. He, you know, I saw him. Uh, they zoomed in on him. He immediately, like the second play in there, he's barking at the offensive line, calling out coverages. You know, telling him where to go, and then they showed a highlight of him picking up a complex blitz, like going making the right reads, and I'm just like. This is this is winning football. This is how you do it. Like this is how you put it together. It starts yeah. brick by brick from the offensive line on on out. So it and so you know it's been really impressive. They're gonna face a real tough test in Oakland because that uh uh with the with the Raiders because that D line their D line's pretty nasty. Yeah, well I mean I think it'll be a good game. That'll definitely be a good let, litmus test for y'all because I mean at this point the the Raiders, barring everything that they've gone through, are still considered a playoff team. Um, so it'll be a good test for y'all. Hopefully y'all can. Come back to the East Coast with the dub, but we'll see. It was, I mean, it, it's been a fun, fun couple of weeks to be a Washington fan, at least. So there's that. Um, another Washington team that's fun being a fan of right now. Uh, they are 13 and eight on the year so far. The Washington Wizards. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slide this over to y'all because I know y'all are a little bit more well versed in this, but I have been watching some games. We, we kind of got stomped last night by the Spurs, but you know, kind of take those lumps as they come, but. How are you guys feeling? I mean, AJ, what you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the Wizards. You know, it's it's been exciting to watch them this year. They're definitely they're they've been able to rise to the competition a lot. Uh, one of the things that I I think I'm I'm finding a little bit frustrating is just watching them go up against teams like the Spurs or the or the Charlotte Hornets or whatever, and they're just they seem to play down to their competition sometimes. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's still working back from his ACL injury, so we miss him on back to backs. Um, like for example, we we were able to get a really impressive win over the. Uh, over the Dallas Mavericks last week, uh, this past week, um, you know, that Dallas Mavericks are going to be a playoff team. They, you know, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're perennially in, um, and, you know, Luka Doncic is a, is a beast. Um, and they were able to go out there and get a win against the the Mavericks. And then they slid down to San Antonio a couple of days later. And, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, they're not the same Spurs that they were 10 years ago. You know, there's no, um, Tim Duncan, no Tony Parker, no, no Manu Ginobili. Um, and, and there's, it's a team that's sort of, it's young, it's trying to find its identity and, uh, the Wizards just kind of came out and laid an egg. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's been, that's been sort of the, the way that the season has gone so far, um, is that some nights the team just doesn't seem to show up and, uh, that, you know, that can, and that can be pretty frustrating to watch, um, particularly because a lot of times they're getting open shots, they're moving the ball around a little bit and the shots just won't fall. Um, I think. I, Davis Bertans is a perfect example of this. Ever since his ankle injury, uh, he has been one for 21 from three-point range. Uh, that is a dismal 4%, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and this is a man that we're paying, uh, I believe, $16 million a year to, uh, to shoot threes for us. Um, and, uh, and, you know, to, to, to be one for 21 in, in a four-game stretch. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, that, that, is, that is quite troubling. Um, and then, you know, Bradley Beal, I think, uh, there was a stretch in the, in the game last night uh, where the Wizards went one for 11 from three-point range in the first half. Um, I mean, you can't, you, you're not going to win football games shooting, or sorry, you're not going to win, well, you're not going to win football games doing this either, but you're not going to win uh, basketball games 
shooting one for 11. That's that's not going to happen uh, from any range. It doesn't matter whether that's field goals or three-point three point attempts, whatever. Uh, one for 11 is bad. You, you, you got to do better than that. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so, so you know, those that's sort of where we're at. Still super excited in terms of, like, the overall production here about 20 games into the season. Um, it's been a long time since we had a Washington Wizards uh, basketball team that we could look at and go, I like these guys. I want to keep, I want to see them keep playing. You know, um, I, I think their keys, mo- the biggest keys to their success is when they're, um, they're trying to get some dribble penetration going um, and not trying to jack threes so much. Now I say that uh, with the caveat that Kyle Kuzma and, um, and uh, KCP, uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope uh, should be, you know, hanging around the perimeter as a threat. Um, but they're at their best when they're getting some good dribble, dribble penetration by either Bradley Beal or Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, and then improvising from there. Denny Abdia has, is turning out to be a um, the, our our um, wing player from uh, Israel is turning out to be a, or, or rather Palestine really, uh, is turning out to be a um, uh, a real asset as a defender, um, a real shutdown defender, um, able to guard pretty much anyone um, at the drop of a hat and uh, and do it well. Uh, which is something something rare, something that we weren't looking for from him. Um, and his the other thing that's been really great to see is his offensive production has really stepped up. Um, he's more confident shooting threes. He's more confident going to the hole. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking for that to improve as the season goes on, and uh, especially in the second half, I would like to see some more of that. Um, but uh, the Wizards also have some uh, starters returning soon. Roy Hachimura and uh, should be coming into the um, uh, into the starting lineup in the, in the next week, uh, couple of weeks. Uh, he's going to be a real asset uh, as he really sort of started to come into his own at the end of last season, um, really being a lot more aggressive with the uh, on offense on the offensive end in particular, uh, and that was great to see too. You, you can tell he really picked things up. So uh, that's all I'll say about that now. Um, just so our listeners know, we're going to be the Go Deep podcast is going to be at the game versus the Cavs on uh, on Friday. Uh, it's going to be a good game. We're looking forward to it, and uh, also Ludacris is performing afterwards, which I I've, I've never seen Ludacris live, so we'll let you know how that goes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Lauren, your thoughts on, on the wizard season so far? Yeah, no, it's, uh, you've, you've summed it up pretty perfect, perfectly there. Um, the real litmus test to me of, uh, of how good, what your basketball team is going to look like, or kind of like your season is, uh, road, those road trips, right? Those road games. We had, we were on a four game road, four game road game, New Orleans, Oklahoma city, Dallas, San Antonio. And the Dallas game was the win was big because it was on a back-to-back. So we played Friday night and then had to go play Saturday night against Dallas, which is a playoff going to be a playoff team. Um, and you know, it's the games that it's those, those last games, those last games on the road trip that you have to get up for on a Monday night when you're tired, you miss your bed, you're sore, you know, you've, you've just played a back to back. You had one day off, you had to fly to San Antonio or get over to San Antonio and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how we respond. It's not a, a bad mark that we lost that last one. It looks like we went two and two on the road trip, which is fine. Uh, for now, uh, my my biggest thing is I need to I we we need to win these games some more of these a little bit more of these early games because I I've really start I'll start getting a little bit more worried about players and things like that after the All Star break. Um, uh, really once the, once we hit the All Star break, that's when I think we're gonna that's that's when we'll know what this team is after that. Uh, based off injuries, I'm really pumped to see Roy come back because of how good Denny has looked. Um, and what I mean by that is Denny was a rookie last year and got hurt half halfway through, about halfway through the season, had to sit out. Well, you know, Scott Brooks gone, this coaching staff, and he's come out healthy and a different player. Like just like AJ said, more uh, more confidence, really good lockdown defender, looks completely different. And so with Roy, I felt like Roy, 
had was showing promise, but had some areas where it was like, all right, why didn't he take that shot? Why isn't he too, why isn't he confident? You know, like what's, what's going on here? Like he give the ball to Russ or like, or Russ would pass him the ball in the post where he could pull up for a mid range and he just throw the ball back to Russ sometimes. And it's just like, all right, maybe you're supposed to maybe try to create something on that play, you know? And so we'll see what kind of confidence he can, uh, Wes, Wes can give to him and um, instill in him. I heard, I may have brought this up on the last podcast, but I heard Wes saying that their offense is still kind of, kind of flying by the seat of their pants right now. And that he's still kind of drawing up a lot of, from what I understand, I heard, heard him say in an interview, he's kind of drawing up plays as the game goes on and kind of adjusting on the fly. Um, Shooting percentages feels like it's down. I mean, obviously, Davis Breton out here just laying bricks, trying to build a house, I guess, and getting paid a bunch of money to do it um, is really aggravating and infuriating. Yeah, Davis, I promise you the big bad wolf is not going to huff and puff and blow your house down. You could you could also hit some shots, but you could you could do something. And that's the see, that's the other thing that AJ alluded to is that. Uh, He's missing shots. Well, the problem with Davis is Davis is what we like to call a one-trick pony. Davis is Davis's greatest strength is shooting threes. But here's the other problem: he can't really, he doesn't really drive to the rim. He gets dunked on. Moment becomes too big for him. Fouls people. Like he just doesn't. He just does not like. Yeah, that's it. That's all he does is he shoots threes. So when he goes over, when he goes one for twenty-two over the past four games or zero for five, you're really just out. He's really out there just fouling people. Uh, getting dunked on and not helping the team at all. So it's just like, at what point do we just go, all right, uh, go ride the pine, you know, like go sit on the bench and then we pay, we're paying him a bunch of money. So I think that Tommy, I bet Tommy somehow gets, somehow will trade him for like LeBron James and somehow like, you know, um, uh, Anthony Davis or something like that. Cause yeah, Tommy's a wizard at this point. So, you know, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure, I'm sure around the trade deadline, Davis might get shipped out to the Kings or something like that. And we'll get some picks back in return. If he doesn't step it up, that's if he doesn't, if he doesn't step it up and start, start changing a little bit, you know, like fake the three drive to the basket, create a little bit. So don't just stand there and be a statue. But anyway, all that to say, we are, it looks like we're 13 and eight. We're, uh, we're uh, second in the division or tied for first. Uh, with Miami, Miami also is 13 and eight and Charlotte's also 13 and eight um, or 13 and 10. Actually, Charlotte is. So, you know, this it's going to be an interesting division. Charlotte's on the come up. Miami's uh, has studs uh, the, all around with a great head coach and Billy Donovan. He's an awesome head coach. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting year for us, for sure. But I was making the playoffs and we'll see where we're at. at we're, we'll see where we're at the all-star break um, with this team has his fight and some grit, grit to it. So I love it. I want to give a shout out to Lauren too for organizing the whole the whole game thing for Friday. But uh, we'll, AJ we'll helped have... a little. Who? AJ helped a little. Oh, okay. All right, all right. There you go. There you go. Well, it was entirely on y'all. So I, you know, they just <laughs> these two guys were just like, "You want to go to the game on Friday?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah, <laughs> I'm in there." So we will we will definitely have uh, some highlights for y'all. Check out the Instagrams because we'll be putting up videos and and pictures while we're out there and making sure we have a good time, but um, we're going to keep moving here. Um, real quick, though, because AJ wanted to talk about this, and yeah. I'm, I'm not one to stop anybody from going smack at somebody who looks like a Laffy Taffy. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, my man. We forgive, but we do not forget. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look. Uh, I, I don't know who hasn't seen this by now. It, it was it was last week when we took our little break. So, uh, but we definitely know we had to fry up uh, Kyle Kuzma for for coming out in what appears to be a need from the Lorax from Dr. Seuss. Uh, <laughs> like my man came out with an oversized pink sweatshirt, the the the, the color of Pepto Bismol. Uh, sleeves my dude, down to his knees. Yo, <laughs> sleeves to his knees. 
my man looked like a barrel of monkeys out here. Like, <laughs> like, come on, bro. You you can't be walking out there like that. Your fashion sense has got to be better than that. And I appreciate the avant-garde stuff. You know, I've hung, I've hung around with Russell Westbrook long enough to know that you got to take some risks sometimes with your fashion choices. But my guy, that was not it. What you got for me, man? Yeah, no, it is. Uh, he, uh, I think the uh, internet fully uh, fried him up. Uh, and that's and yeah, I think that he he just looks like who said it? Pepto Bisball. Like he just looks he looks ridiculous. Uh, I, he looks like he went to the big. Like I, what's also kind of fascinating is like where did you get a sweater that big? Because that man is huge. Like he's like six seven, right? Like how did you get yeah. one? Like could you imagine that on me? Like could you imagine that on like a normal human being? Like like. <laughs> A normal person? That thing is ginormous. But, I mean, uh, props to him, I guess, for, uh, you know, holding his ground when Twitter properly roasted him for looking like a holding bottle of Pepto-Bismol. That's a bold I, statement, sir. I mean, was... we should, maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, like, maybe he was just uh, concerned about uh, safety in flight. You know, in case of a plane crash, <laughs> he could always just jump out and, and tie his sleeve together and fly right, know... back to the earth in, in something the color of Hubba Bubba Max. <laughs> you know what he reminds me of? You guys remember when we were kids? Those little flying fairies that, like, the girls would, like, rip the car Oh, off. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's what my man looks like. Like, put this oh. man on a pedestal and spin it and he'll jump and just fly. Watch him take off like Mary Poppins. <laughs> I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And who let him leave the house like that, too, right? Who did it, like, anybody? Uh, They're just, like, he's just walking by, like, all right, I'm headed to the game. They're like, oh, yeah, you look, um... Well, have fun, you know, like, you, that, let him just, hey, just man, walk you know, out. Us, light, us light-skinned Negroes, can't nobody tell us nothing, so, you know. You right. His parents walked in his room, are you winning, son? Like, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. oh, man. Well, Kyle, I mean, we love you, man, but we don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of we not gotta forgetting. Make that, we got to make uh, his sweater the, the art for the. Oh, it's already it's already been oh, done yeah. it's oh, already okay, been yeah. done lord already took care of that I, it's already it's already <laughs> been set in motion I'm don't worry it. i was like oh this is gold <laughs> speaking of not forgetting guys uh so first off I, as a jets fan uh, i want to say thank you very much for for helping us out with with uh seattle l last night you're welcome um, we, went, we worked really hard to help you out so you're welcome and you know we, we'll try to reciprocate that by being in the eagles this week but um, with with that loss, the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Jets have the same record because we got a dub. And not only that, we still got we, we still have a first round pick that we got from trading them Jamal Adams. Um, and so now we get to pick four and five if the draft were tonight. And uh, I just want to I want to highlight the genius that is Joe Douglas as a GM. So much like the GM of the Wizards, who's an absolute like an absolute magician with the trades. Joe Douglas not only finessed two first-round draft picks from the from the Seahawks for Jamal Adams, he finessed a second and a fourth-rounder uh, from the Panthers for <laughs> Sam Darnold. He also finessed a fourth-round draft pick for Chris Herndon, who is a tight end who has yet to see more than one catch with the Minnesota Vikings. And check this shit out. We traded a tight end named Daniel Brown, who I'm absolutely sure nobody other than a Jets fan has ever heard of. Is that the author of the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> that we traded for that guy. We traded that guy away <laughs> for the for the Chiefs' uh, 31 year old 
offensive guard named Laurent Duverney Tarif or something like that. Basically, he sat out all of the entire la- uh, season last year because he's a doctor, so he wanted to do you know he wanted to help with COVID, so he completely sat out the whole season. We traded him for this no-name tight end and like a six-round draft pick or some shit. <laughs> the Chiefs then cut the tight end. We've started that guard. He is he's had like two solid back-to-back weeks, and then we signed Daniel Brown back to the practice squad. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the guard for like free. We got him for a bag of chips. Another robbery. Oh my ladies goodness, and gentlemen! Goodness gracious, man! Fucking great. Again, we forgive, but we don't forget. <laughs> Ayo, tell tell us about that Jets victory on uh, on Sunday though. Let's hear let's hear about it. Oh man, uh, so I'll be you know you guys are calling me out on it, and I will be the first to admit I was heavily pessimistic uh, heading into the half. Uh, Wilson was looking hella rusty, back to his old ways. I mean, he made that brutal interception where he's like starting to go for a run, and I think it, part of it was because like he just doesn't trust his leg enough yet. But he starts to break for like a scramble. So Ty Johnson, the running back, is like, oh, I should block. So immediately starts to turn to block a guy. <laughs> Wilson does like this weird shovel pass that slides off his back, like Ty Johnson's back, and lands in the hands of, of the like the defensive back. And I'm just like, that's, <laughs> um, that's the Jets. So, you know, Jets and what, what does a Jets fan do? I go to Twitter and I absolutely roast the fuck out of Zach Wilson, call him a bust six games into his career, um, and he proceeds to lead us to a dub, rushing for a touchdown in the second half. Um, no, it was it's good. Um, I was at I was out with some friends, and I shit you not, every time Elijah Moore touches touch the ball, I'm just like I'm like a uh, Kylo Ren in Star Wars. I'm like more, more. So uh, everybody heard me yelling that multiple times throughout the game. Uh, we miss Michael Carter, the running back. I hope he comes back. Uh, Bryce Hall let up like a brutal inter- uh, touchdown catch um, in the first half, but then he made a clutch-ass fourth-quarter uh, pass breakup on fourth down to basically seal the game, uh, which was huge. Uh, it was good, man. Uh, it was one of those games that I expected us to win, so – I'm happy I wasn't let down in that sense. Uh, the Williams brothers are absolutely balling out. Quinnen and Quincy, uh, Quincy are having hell of hell of a season, especially Quincy. Quincy, um, CJ Mosley was back to form, uh, which is refreshing because he's been playing like hot doo doo um, uh, the past two weeks before that. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm at the point now where it's like I understand we don't want to um, we're like not trying to tank because. Obviously, we're going to have a top five draft pick thanks to the Seahawks, but <laughs> uh, I'm at the point now where I would really like to see some consistency from this team, right? Because like we're I, I, we're a super young team, but we're more than halfway through a season, and a lot of these guys are getting some experience under their belt. They've they've had to swallow some lumps, um, and so at some point, it's like, can we put it all together? Can you guys get the ball rolling, even if it's like a two or three game winning streak? Can we? Can we show that we've we've learned enough to just keep the ball rolling, just to keep piling on top of it? Um, and I think that's that's what I'm most looking forward to, um, especially heading into the Eagles game that I think is winnable. Uh, Jalen Hurts looks all types of discombobulated. I mean, he can kill you with the legs for sure, um, but you know maybe Qu- uh, Quinn Williams and that defensive line of ours uh, can show up. Um, 
I'm not sweating Jalen Rager at all. I'm not sweating Devonta Smith at all. Uh, Dallas Goddard, he might be a mismatch for us. Not sweating two-yard Boston Scott at all. Uh, or, uh, I know that's Barber, but Boston Scott is the same kind of back as Barber is. I mean, these guys will go for like two or three yards, and they make it look hard. But um, I, I just don't think – like the Eagles' defense is good. I just don't think that – I mean, they're just another team, uh, honestly, for us. So I'm hoping we roll into it. It was fun to finally see a win because I was contemplating my love of football on Sunday morning heading heading out. Uh, it was definitely considering telling you guys I may have to retire from the podcast because I just can't watch sports. <laughs> so it's good to get a win. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the, li- that's the life of a Jets fan, man. <laughs> yeah, y'all just got to keep rolling with that momentum. That's yeah. big, man. Especially for a young team, like to, I feel like for you guys, it's just like it's hard to watch because every game you want them to win, and you want this first round quarterback to be the next Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or whatever. But you know, yeah, I feel like you just start out, you just got to try to get these wins, and you know, yeah. I think it takes it takes years. You know, you build brick by brick, you find out, okay, this this rookie's not probably not going to be on the team next year, and then you have to you know yep. draft to his position, and then kind of things like that, and it just takes time. So you just got to hope I, – I just hope he did – like your uh, Zach Wilson doesn't see like ghosts as he get, keeps going, you know. Like yeah. he had – like he, does, he doesn't get hit so much and take so many hits, it, it starts affecting him. You know, the a lot of people in the area wanted us to take uh, Mac Jones. You know, wanted the Washington football team to take Mac Jones. If we took Mac Jones, he wouldn't look like the Mac Jones that you see out there now. I don't think he would. I just yeah. don't think we can have nice things here. So I think that uh, – but. <laughs> I think that uh, you guys are doing fine. Keep the ball rolling. Great head coach. You know, like AJ said, it starts with your, you know, the top down, your front office and things like that. Your head coach seems awesome. Players are clearly still fighting for him. So well, it sounds like you guys got a winning formula. You just got to uh, just gotta uh, buy your time, make the right draft picks. And it's so interesting you brought up AJ's point about that. Like, it starts from the top down. Because AJ's, AJ's one of those guys who clearly, like, he understands that the structure of it all – impacts the product right like he was saying earlier and i'm finally putting that perspective on my own self looking at the jets and i'm like it seems like a a huge portion of the jets fandom is like we hate joe douglas we think he's a bum but i'm like in the past year like maybe his first draft was a little rough like we had we we have five picks in a row that are all kind of like mediocre subpar but this past draft he like he knocked out um elijah vera tucker that trade was an absolute steal he's a stud uh, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter II, who's our starting slot corner, and he's like one of the best young guys. He drafted Bryce Hall, that's a first-round talent in the fifth round two years ago. So it's like I have faith in him. Robert Salas, he's like one of those guys. Maybe he won't be like one of the best uh, X's and O's coaches, but he knows, how, like you said, he can get the guys a ball for him because they, they're still believing in it. Um, and we finally put LaFleur up in the in the booth like, five weeks ago and it's paying off because the guy's calling plays out of his mind like the play calls from week one to five and then since then moving forward are like day and night it's great he's in his bag so i'm super stoked man it should be fun uh moving forward but speaking of coaches (laughs) and lauren i'm gonna kick this right back to you my man uh brian kelly was just announced as the new head coach uh for lsu i believe leaving notre dame but even bigger than that Oklahoma losing Lincoln Riley to good old USC. Lauren, lay it on me, bro. Are you doing okay? Yo, I'm be all right. I'm be all right. Sixth time, I'll be okay. Uh, you know, 
Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> so the hard part is the way he left, right? Like I have no problem people getting their money and get doing doing what's best for them. But right after this loss, we have a rivalry game. It's the biggest game of the season. If we win it, we're in the if we enter it, we're in the Big Twelve, and we might have a chance to make it into the playoffs. Uh, and it comes down to the wire. Just some guys don't don't make some plays. Moment was too big for him. Um, kind of things like that. And I think that uh, so you know he the, the game ends. He and there was rumors. There were rumors before the game and on Twitter that he was going to LSU, especially if they lost. So he comes out to the press conference that that night and goes, I, "I am not going to LSU." Next question. So we're all like, "Yeah, loyalty. You're staying with us. We're gonna get through this." Like. Love you, man. Like love, love Lincoln. Like wow, what a great guy. Next day, Lincoln Riley goes. Your enthusiasm music in the background. Yeah, seriously. Uh, next day, Lincoln Riley goes to is go is going to USC. Uh, just waiting to sign the contract. I said, "Skirt, excuse me." And then it's like Lincoln. It's official. Lincoln Riley's gone to USC in the span of like less than twenty four hours. It was like a neck jerk like reaction. You know, I felt like that. Uh, I felt like that gif of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, where he's standing there and he's just got his hands out, like, "What is going on?" And uh, <laughs> he just because here's the other thing: he gutted the whole roster. Uh, he gutted the whole coaching staff too. Yeah. I mean, uh, he gutted the coaching staff. He's taking his OC, I think maybe even his DC, a bunch of bunch of those guys. He just Special took them all with them. Definitely going. The big thing in college football is you have to recruit. That's that's like it. You don't get anywhere without recruits. And it starts like it's uh, when they come in as freshmen and then you build you like you get a five star freshman, but you keep them, you redshirt them, you build them up, you put on muscle on them, you get them a little bit bigger and then they play and then they ball out later on. Well, now all these recruits, these these five star, three star recruits, top ESPN players are all leaving because the transfer portal. So, you know, he uh, the him leaving left is going to leave a big hole for OU like. It was fun while it lasted. We were top of the division. We were one of the best teams for years, uh, and when I, when I lived there, and up until this moment. And so now it'll be we'll have a it'll be a big crater. They won't be good, very good, kind of be middle of the pack team. But what's wild is we're going to S- the SEC, so we'll see how that pans out. But now him, this is never. I was texting my sister this morning, uh, and she, she was asking me about this, so I just told her to listen to the podcast. But I was pretty much just saying that um, this has never happened before in the history of coaching for college head coaches. No head coach has ever just left OU to go somewhere else. No head coach has ever left Notre Dame to just go somewhere else ever. Like you don't leave those schools like they're just prestigious. They they tend to give you what you want. And the rumor mill about his contract, what AJ's telling me as I keep I keep seeing it pop up is they they bought both his homes in Norman for five hundred thousand dollars over asking price. And, and Norman, so that's a million dollars. Where where's Norman? Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. So they so basically what what oh, the rumor yeah. is is that USC bought both his both of his homes that he was like building in Oklahoma. Oh, like like five hundred thousand dollars over the asking price, essentially for both homes, in order for him to go to USC. Like that's that's so sleazy. Million dollars, like, so that's like a million dollar signing bonus right there. That's right, insane, dude. Hundred hundred and ten million dollars was what his contract uh, was. What is was what the the contract is? What so far what we're hearing uh, kind of leak out, and then twenty four hour private jet. You know, so like. I Lincoln Lincoln said in a, a, a Scott Van Pelt last night to Scott Van Pelt he he had never talked to another uh, uh, team ever or another school about leaving and it was all because it was all his agent his agent just orchestrated it and you know he was probably like no I like it here in OU and they're like well we'll pay you a hundred million a hundred million dollars and he was like okay okay but uh, what about my family oh twenty four hour private jet access anytime you want oh uh, what I what about my two homes we'll buy them for you for for a million dollars well. 
well, I could see myself living in California versus Oklahoma, you know, like it was, you know, (laughs) and he's going to take all these that I said, I texted my friend in Oklahoma and I said, I hope he goes out there and sucks. And uh, he's like, he's like, he's definitely going out there, but he's not going to suck. He's a great head coach and he's going to take all these guys with him. And they're, he's probably, and here's the other thing. He's going to a soft division. I think that's the pac 12, right? They, 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 they don't, they're, they're, they're soft. Like you don't ever see them in, in the top four ranked very, any, anybody of them. Ranks it's been a very long high. time. It's been a, so since like he's Reggie gonna go Bush. make them a make them a yeah Reggie exactly. He's gonna Not go make them Pete, a powerhouse. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. That's who. It Pete was. Carroll. That's Pete right. Carroll, that's right. right. That's exactly right. So he's gonna go make them a powerhouse. I'm um furious. Uh, you know, next time I see him when I turn around and take the knife out of my back, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> uh uh you he know might was, twist it on you you never know yeah exactly that's true that's very true you know someone might offer him more money uh and so you know the it's just yeah I, yeah i was i was pretty upset I, you know my head was spinning i didn't know what to do all right i didn't know what to do but like i didn't you know he, he was so like i said it's no i'm not going to lsu oh yes loyalty like eight hours later i'm going to usc and then just bounced and gotcha, so <laughs> it was just like what what like so i don't know it was it, I, yeah i wasn't happy about it but Here's a cool little tidbit. Well, not cool, but here's a little tidbit. Uh, Riley is the first Oklahoma head coach to leave another college coaching job since 1947. Jim Tatum left Oklahoma because Maryland paid him $12,000 at that time. Wow. Hey, (laughs) that's right. The other thing that I heard like was kind of a driving force for Lincoln to finally commit to it too was that like he apparently he did like a huge portion of his own um, recruiting down in Southern California like he made a big push to like recruit players from down there so then they're like oh well you can just recruit from USC you know we got all the players down here and he's like absolutely because I already did all the work um, yeah no exactly kind of into it, but. the the hard part too is for the um for these recruits is the, like the Notre Dame, when the Notre Dame head coach, Brian, uh, Brian Kelly left to go to LSU. I read a tweet that said uh, he was a, a recruiter. You know, these guys fly to all these kids' houses, sit down to them, um, look them dead in the face and say like, we've got, this is like, we're here. Like we got your back. Like, he's not leaving. We can go anywhere. And he's, he, te- he uh, tweeted, he's like, I just left the kid. He's like, I, so the, 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 bit, the other big problem is both of these head coaches didn't say a word to anyone. They were just gone. Like, immediately just gone like no like apparently Lincoln rolled into the room and was like I'm going to USC bye players it was fun having you while I was here and then the Notre Dame head coach didn't tell anybody so when the uh, recruiter left the kid's house he got a he got the ESPN notification like we all did and he said now I look like a huge fucking asshole because I just lied to the you know these 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 I told these parents to trust us and trust him and he's gone and so you know it just it caused that it's gonna cause chaos all in that that area of it as well so you know it is what it is. Asia, do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, a hundred million dollar contract and yeah, no, I mean, private plane. Like, I think I, th- I just think I feel like the the thing that's really sort of, um, uh, I mean, obviously the the whole just it, we're in the middle of the season, and it just seems really crappy to like just leave the team in the middle of the season, and just be like, uh, yeah, they're paying me a hundred million dollars, so uh, peace, you know, like. You could have waited until the end of the season to be like, "Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a slide on out." That's that because that would have been fine, I think, if they had waited till the end of the season. Like it would have been cool, but like, because I mean, what are you gonna do? You gonna get mad at them for taking taking all that money and living south to live in Southern California as opposed to uh, to Oklahoma? Like, of course not. Like, obviously that's what you're gonna do. But like, 
to do it in the middle of the season with your t- your team is still put together like that's just really crappy for all the kids involved like like i don't know it just doesn't sit right with me and, and the, th- the real thing to like again point the finger at these structures rather than you know at, at any individuals like he's kind of incentivized to do it you know like like they just like like lauren said you know coming off a game again you know playing against your rivals or whatever and it's like uh you know at this point it's just like yeah i don't really need to stay here any longer bye you know and and the whole the whole structure of the of the college football is organized in order to create outcomes like that um, I mean, it's really disgusting all the, if, if, if the rumors are true and he's, he really is getting 24 hour private jet access and his home is being purchased for $500,000 over the asking price and, and, you know, all that kind of crap. If that comes out to be true, that all that's disgusting enough, just for the fact that these college football coaches are being paid so much more money than any of the professors at any of these colleges. Uh, and none of the players are getting paid by any of these colleges. Um, so that, that by itself is disgusting enough. Um, but you know, to see, to see somebody so make such a cynical decision, uh, in the middle of the season is, is pretty jarring. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, dang, you know, I thought, I thought we was better. Like I knew things was bad, but I thought we were a little better than that, but apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, apparently it's at a bad time too. Cause around this time of the year is when, a lot of the universities and stuff like ramp up their their recruiting to like a hundred percent. So November November twenty uh, eighth is when you can open open up recruit start recruiting it like going to players' homes and stuff like that. So like uh, that's like one of the rumor mills is he one of the rumor mills is he timed it up because he knew the recruiting door opened and he literally said bye and then got on that private jet and bounced. That's, no one's seen him since. He didn't say a word to like anybody or anything. That's effed up. Like he literally just knew that he was going to leave OU and was like, I'm going to screw them. Yeah, pretty much. Well, he's kind of saw, I feel like he kind of saw the writing on the wall, right? So we went into this year as one that's supposed to have a Heisman candidate, like Heisman winner in Spencer Rattler. Um, he was supposed to be like the, like the, the second coming of Jesus and like lead us to the championships and like be awesome and be re- like, be this great player. And then he just didn't, it just didn't work out for one reason or another, the offensive line or, you know, all this other thing. So that, you know, when that tanked and then you're riding on a freshman who played okay, uh, he played pretty well actually for coming in. But, uh, you know, when you kind of all those things weigh out and then you get tempted like he did. But I just think, like I said, I think it's just the way he left. I'm always cool with people leaving. It's just the way they, you know, the way you do it. How do you do it? Right. So that's what, it. I think that's what really hurt. Yeah, he did it dirty. Yeah. Keeping with college football, though, did y'all watch that uh, Ohio State versus Michigan game? You know it, man. Michigan ranked number two now uh, in the in the rankings. Slid their way into the college football playoffs. Um, AJ, what'd you see? Yeah, I mean, I think the story of that game. I mean, it was a it was a picturesque day for a uh, day for a football rivalry between Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, up in Michigan, uh, snows falling. Uh, you know, could result in some ugly play. Uh, but both teams decided to try and keep it on the ground to try and prevent. Um, you know, slip, slips of the hands and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think the story of the game was just the fact that the Michigan State offensive line was so much more dominant. Um, or sorry, Michigan uh, offensive line was just so much more dominant than the Ohio State, uh, you know, defensive line. And that's not to say that the Ohio State defensive line is a bunch of, uh, you know, schmucks or anything like that. Uh, they, they, they knew what they were doing. The thing is, though, they, they just got outplayed, um, flat out outplayed, and there's nothing you can, nothing, nothing really you can say about it. Um, 
that's going to make that any better at, at a certain at a certain point uh, in the game of football it's a team sport obviously uh but if your team with with your team you're you're sort of lined up in a in a certain number of individual battles and the thing is is that the michigan uh offensive line won those battles the whole time i, I mean it wasn't close uh, and they were able to run the ball right down Ohio State's throat, uh, play straight up bully ball, uh, and ended uh, ended up winning 40, 42 to twenty seven. And and it's surprising because you know you'd seen the uh, uh, Ohio State come out and um, you know they had been talked about as one of the best teams in the nation. Um, you know the game before that, I believe they were, they put in a really super dominant performance against another good college team. I can't remember the name of them, uh, which which team it was, but uh, you know you were expecting a much closer game than what it turned out to be. Uh, and now I sound like Troy Aikman. I hate I hate that construction. I hate when it, I hate when he does that. But uh, it, it, we expected a much closer game uh, than than the game that we got. And uh, you know, Michigan really. Congrats to, to uh, Mr. Harbaugh. Uh, finally got his his win on his sixth try against Ohio State. Uh, yeah, I and, can't believe that. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and you know, but you got to say he, he knows how to coach a good football team and, and uh, leaving his ha- leaving the game in the hands of his running back uh, and his offensive line was a wise decision because they, they just won. Uh, oh, Lauren, yeah. you watch a lot more college ball than me. What do you got to say about it? Yeah, no. So one of the there's like three games, or like three or four games out there every year. I look forward to it's Bedlam, Red River, Red River rivalry, and um, this one. Uh, I love the I love the 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 fact that they hate each other. There's almost a fight before every game. There's probably there's usually a fight during the game. Like they just don't like each other. They don't even say uh, each other's names. They, you know, I think Ohio State calls them the team up north. They won't even say Michigan. You can't even say Michigan. And um, this is how big this rivalry is. My friend grew up in uh, in Ohio. And is an Ohio State fan, and he the day one day of the rivalry when he was a kid, he was like ten or twelve. Him and his dad were his dad and his uncle were downstairs watching the game. He came down and said, "Go Michigan," and he said they got quiet and they stood up and then they grabbed me and they gave me a swirly. They dunked my head. They said, "Don't you ever say that again." And so you know that's how <laughs> that's how brutal that's how brutal this is. AJ, the game you were referencing with Ohio State was Michigan uh, was Michigan uh, State, yeah. They played them and they blew them out, fifty-six to seven. At the time, uh, Michigan was Michigan State was ranked seventh in the nation, so you know it was a it was a top ten matchup, and Ohio State made them look like children. And so, uh, you know, rolling into this game was going to be really uh, was going to be really fascinating, really fun. Uh, you know, a five top ten top five matchup, five versus two. You know, and it's a lot of this game depended on who's making the college playoffs and who's going to go to the Big Ten, uh, yeah, Big Ten title game as well. So, you know. Uh, like AJ said, he said it perfectly. The uh, Michigan O-line uh, absolutely manhandled Ohio State's. Uh, they, uh, Haskins, Hassan Haskins, had 28 carries for 169 yards and five touchdowns, which is unreal. Um, their quarterback, uh, McNamara, only threw, uh, th- threw the ball 19 times for 159 yards. So that entire game, and he even threw an interception. So that entire game was just built on like them dominating the offensive line. And to give you perspective, C.J. Stroud threw for – almost 50 times he threw 49 times for 394 yards and two touchdowns and they still beat them Michigan still beat Ohio State 42 to 27 so they just they just pounded it they just pounded the rock and you couldn't there's nothing they could that Ohio State could do to do to stop it they just the moment was too big for that I guess that offensive line and that defense and they just couldn't they couldn't hold up and uh they could let Michigan came punched him in the mouth and uh that and you know playing at home that helps a lot right like that stadium was nuts 
And AJ set the scene pretty beautifully. It was a nice cold day. There was snow falling on the ground. It was beautiful. It was like overcast, kind of stormy gray kind of skies, but like just light enough, you know, and it was just like, it just gets you, it gets, gives you goosebumps when you think about it, you know? So uh, it was just a, it was a great game, a great game overall. Like I said, I love it. This is one of the games every year I look forward to in circle, especially, especially when they're top, when they're, when they're a team like this. So Good for Jim Harbaugh finally getting the win because uh, they were going to fire him if he didn't if he didn't get this win probably so because he you got to win you've got to beat there's one game you could go you get you could go like one and uh, eleven every year and if as long as that one win is against Ohio State or the other way around then you're good so you know the Buckeyes have owned this had owned this rivalry and had been stomping out Michigan for years so it was good for them it was good to see the see tides change a little bit so yeah I I loved so. Obviously, the, the big the big highlights of the game were Michigan Michigan's offensive line, but their defensive line man led by Alex Hutchinson, like that kid was playing out of his damn mind. Like I'm pretty sure he just solidified himself as a top five pick in the draft next year. Um, there's even there's even some like draft analysts already saying that he'll be better than uh, Thibodeau from Oregon. Um, so I mean I hope the Jets get one of them because <laughs> but. Man, that defensive line played nuts. Uh, and the what who stood out to me? So I, I think he was rocking either twenty two or thirty two for Michigan. Uh, linebacker named Ross. That kid was flying, bro. Like even even on like short passes out to like Garrett Wilson or um, like Olave got a couple targets like in the short range. Bro, thirty two was on him, like just making plays. And that stadium was banana. I had never seen co- a coaching staff have to go to the sideline and tell the like the stadium, like, "Yo, quiet down. We're trying to operate." Like, Ann Arbor was popping, bro. So it was definitely a fun game to watch. Me and my dad were like losing our minds just watching uh, the Michigan running back just like tear off runs, like no bi- five yard runs, no big deal, just casual sat- like Saturday afternoon, no big deal. Um, it was a fun game. So um, trust us when we say here at the Go Deep Podcast. The college football playoffs are probably only going to get better um, from here, so it should be fun. Um, I'm going to do a quick injury roundup because we got some uh, some news going on from around the NFL. Um, so quick NFL injury roundup. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's done for the season. Uh, apparently he's got an ankle injury that, you know, is just enough of a big deal for him to sit out the oh, rest God. of the season. I've been harping on this. Do not take Christian McCaffrey in your fantasy drafts in the first round. He's not worth it. Nope. He'll get lots of points for the games he plays, but he's perennially injured. You don't want him on. He don't don't waste a first round pick on him. Yeah, that guy is constantly injured. Uh, it's just I, I feel like they've kind of run him into the ground at this point. Like he was their entire offense since like his rookie year. So uh, you hate to see it. Uh, other injuries. Uh, so we still got. Derrick Henry's out indefinitely. Cook, Dalvin Cook for the uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, separated his shoulder. So he's already dealing with one shoulder that has, like, a torn labrum. The other one, like, separated or dislocated. So for now, they're saying he's out for two weeks. Um, If you are a Dalvin Cook fantasy football manager, uh, brace for the worst, my guys. Uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, however, have both practiced this week. Um, So they both look poised to come back. Taysom Hill. Also taking snaps as QB1 for New Orleans Saints. Uh, Zeke is dealing with a heel injury that could cause him to miss a couple weeks. Um, that'll be interesting to see. And then 
Saquon Barkley, they're saying he is working his way back to close to 100%, so we'll see if his usage goes up, so just keep that in mind. Um, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, still kind of questionable heading into Thursday night game. Definitely one of those situations that you want to keep an eye on, um, just because Dallas is running low on weapons. They still got Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, um, Dalton Schultz, but keep an eye on that situation, especially with Mike McCarthy out. Um, maybe they'll play better. We never know. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll know where their timeouts are. You know, don't know which pocket their timeouts are. They can in see and, the clock. They'll be able yeah, to see, the, be able clock see the clock and stuff. Clock. Yeah, because Mike McCarthy will be will be out. And one last tidbit that we here at the Go Deep Podcast will be keeping a close eye on, because um, all three of us honestly are super excited to hear this. RG three just announced that he is going to write a book, highlighting his time in Washington, um, addressing what happened in that fateful Seattle game. The mismanagement on the medical side of things that was going on with him. Um, he is going to go into a deep dive on the sexual harassment on the workplace. And he also said that he would do a deep dive on the Dan Snyder, Mike Shanahan power struggle. So as, as we found out more, and maybe at one point we'll even read it so that all three of us can do a deep dive into the book. Uh, we will let y'all know all about it, but super stoked for that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, Let, let's just say I'm looking forward to that one. It's about to go down. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting to hear what happened at that with that team and in that locker room. Uh, and once he starts it, right, he's going to start saying stuff. I feel, I'm thinking Kyle and, and, and Mike or Shanahan are going to fire back. So it'll I mean, be interesting. My thing, too, is is like if if as a, as a fan of, you know, that 2012 season felt so special. It was like the first time – that the Washington football team had really felt like they were extremely good since maybe 1999 with North Turner. Um, after, after which season uh, we went 10 and we went 10 and six that season. Uh, and Dan Snyder fired North Turner, uh, who was the head coach at the time, even though we were 10 and six. Uh, and then we've just been in the wilderness ever since then yeah. um, with a, with a brief reprieve under, under Joe Gibbs, um, the, the return of Joe Gibbs. It, it's just it, it, the whole thing it, just, that 2012 season just felt so special. Like it felt like we had a generational talent. Uh, we had a team that, that was winning games. We, we destroyed the Cowboys in like week 15. It was, it was just, it was magical. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, RG three goes down and his, you know, his legs in tatters and, uh, and, and, you know, the, the whole trajectory of the franchise just took an, another dive off a cliff. Um, so to hear about, to hear about, uh, you know, what went down that season. I'm super pumped and I'm looking forward to uh, spilling all the tea as the kids are saying nowadays. Yeah. As the kids say, that book is about to be bussin' bussin'. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, it's about to have the gabagoo. The gabagoo. The gabagoo. (laughs) About to be hitting right. We're moving forward. This is, uh, we're hitting week 13 in the NFL. And as always, we're here to try to Give you guys a little insight on some of the games that we think will be interesting and our own team's uh, games coming up just for some betting uh, advice. Um, so we're going to go through a couple of our games that we want to highlight here, um, and then we'll go to Lauren's ma- manic minute. But uh, starting off this week, Washington football team versus the o- uh, Oakland versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Um now, I'm of the ilk that believes this game is going to be a lot closer than most people believe. Uh, I mean, the Raiders are playing out of their minds for sure, but Washington's coming in on a hot streak, 
Heineke's playing some pretty good ball. I think he's his confidence is is really starting to hit high, a high high point in the season. Um, as much as I want to give it to Washington, though, I think I think ultimately Derek Carr is on pace for the third highest passing uh, passing yards in a season uh, ever in history. Um, so I think I think he might overwhelm y'all a bit um, unless that defensive line can really get to him, but. Um, I got I got Raiders eking out a win here by three. I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. Um well well past twenty one points for both sides. Um let's see, Lauren, what you got? Yeah, so the Raiders are the favorites uh by Vegas by uh, uh three points pretty much, two point five. And uh the money line is uh, minus one forty, the over under is fifty. Uh and Washington's dogs, uh money line is one plus one twenty. Uh, yeah, I like the Raiders as well in this. Um, I think that we're, it's, we're, we're, we're Washington and we're riding too high right now. Like we're doing too many things are going right. So we're going to have our letdown game here and come back to earth game here. And I think that that's, as, this is going to be it. Um, I think that, uh, uh, I think, it I think it'll be close. You know, I, I that, that now that I sit here and think about it, you know, they, they, uh, they scored 23 points a game. We all, we are allowing 25 points a game. Our offenses are kind of, you know, Kind of the same in, in the sense that we're they're not going to blow anybody out really, but uh, get into too many can't get into too many shootouts. But uh, I think that they I think they keep it close, and I think they I think they'll their D line I I think their D line's going to have a big day. Um, I think that they're going to sack Heineke a few times and get to really get to him. And I think that Washington as in Washington true form wants to make it interesting going into the final week with their going into the final five game stretch with the. Uh, all the divisional games coming up and then, you know, I, I get watch Dallas is going to lose and then Philly's going to lose and giants are going to lose. And then we're going to lose. So then we're all in the same spot, you know, headed into that, that gauntlet of games. Uh, and so we'll, we'll go from there, but I think, I think Oakland, I think Oakland ultimately gets the win here. I think they, they I think they're just more of a complete team right now, but you know, we're riding high and maybe we can shock them, but yeah, I think Oakland gets it. What about you, AJ? Yeah, I actually disagree significantly with both of you guys on this point. Um, I, I'm taking Washington in this game, uh, and I think the uh, a couple of things. One, uh, I think the difference in this game is going to be the fact that our defense has finally come together uh, and is actually making plays. We did have a busted uh, uh, pass play to Tyler Lockett, which seems to happen to every single team uh, every week. Uh, at some point, Tyler Lockett's going to burn you. But yeah, <laughs> uh, and I think that's uh, I think that's a significant de- uh, weakness in our defense that should be addressed, uh, particularly by the, uh, by the coaching staff this, uh, during this week. However, I do think that our defensive line is going to be able to, um, uh, to, to beat the uh, offensive line of uh, the Raiders, and I do not think that the Raiders' defensive line, as good as I know that they are, are, are going to be able to um, treat our, our defensive line the same way. So I think the difference is going to be dominating the, uh, dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I think Washington is going to be able to do that. Look for a low-scoring affair. Uh, I don't agree that it's going to be a high-scoring thing. I think it's probably going to be under 20 points on each side, and it's going to come down to the wire. But I give the game to Washington uh, for its ability to control the clock with its uh, running game, which I think is much more impressive than the Oakland running game. Um, so I'm taking Washington, uh, and I'm taking the uh, the under on amount of points scored. Big thing to watch for in this game, I just remembered I meant to talk about it, is our kicker, our new kicker. So That's true. that'll be interesting. He missed two extra points and then got released by the um, Saints, I believe it was. And so he was kind of floating around on practice squads. And, you know, kickers have nine lives in the NFL. So we'll see what happens. I think I, I, I meant to say that in my point. I think that plays a factor into it as well. I think he misses a kick or two. Um, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I also want to comment on that too. I think one of the things I actually kind of liked about uh, the game, even though obviously it's not good for your kicker to go down uh, and it's good to have those automatic points when you need them because uh, we certainly wouldn't have been in the situation where at the end of the game if we were able to kick field goals. But uh, I did kind of like the amount of times we went forward on fourth down because I think the nature of the game makes uh, NFL coaches super conservative on that account. Um, and I kind of like just go forward and forth down a lot more. I think it's worth it to do it and we don't do it enough. So anyway, Riverboat, something to keep in mind for Riverboat Run. Um, I'm taking Washington football team, taking the under on the points. Uh, and uh, I think my colleagues ha- are mistaken about this one. I think the biggest X factor here that you actually brought up and it was a good point is because uh, you've done it for a couple games pretty significantly is controlling the clock uh, and having the time of possession on your side. I mean, you did it against the Bucks uh, with that insane drive that y'all had. Uh, you definitely did it last night. So I think that's another one of those situations where you don't want to give Derek Carr too many chances. Um, so, if, I mean, if you can control the clock, it could be, it could definitely be a, a ball game for, for Washington to take home. So we'll see. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns, though, but you bring up a good point. Um, Another game that has, like like Lauren said, an impact on Washington is the Jets versus the Eagles. Now, the Jets have played the Eagles. We've lost 11 consecutive times. We've never beat them. And I think we do it this year. I think Zach Wilson, uh, he I think he'll have a random good game uh, where he just lights it up. Uh, I know the Eagles defense is low-key kind of good. Darius Slay is having a hell of a year. Um but I'm thinking Dickon Wilson comes out, slings it a bit, uh, makes some plays to Elijah Moore. Um, and I, I like our defense. Uh, I feel like our defense has been – we had a couple – we had a three-game rough patch where we were just getting absolutely dogged. Um, but I, I, I'm like I was saying earlier, I think we roll into this week preaching consistency, preaching discipline, um, and it's not going to be pretty. I think it's a low-scoring game. But I think we eke one out. I, I, I truly, truly, in my gut, am hoping and praying that I'm right. Um, but I, I think I'm going with the Jets winning this game. Uh, AJ, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, okay, a couple of things. One, I think teams have figured out at this point, because earlier in the season, Jalen Hurts was really, um, was really tearing uh, opposing defenses up. And I think it's because, uh, you know, he's not – part of a complete football team right now and uh the offensive line in particular is not quite as it's not quite where you want your team your off, team's offensive line to be and so he's developed a habit of pulling the ball down and using his legs a lot more a lot quicker than he probably should um you know in terms of you know make a read stand tall in the pocket and and throw the ball to an open receiver i think he's developed the instinct that i drop back if my guy's not there it's time to run i've got to scramble whatever and i think teams have figured that out by now um, and that being the case, I, I would expect a low scoring, another low scoring affair. Um, hard to say who's going to come out on top in this one. Um, but one of the things that I will say, I like Zach Wilson's um, uh, development so far this year. I think I've, the things that I've seen from him um, is kind of the opposite of, not the opposite of, of Hertz. He had similar offensive line issues during the, during the beginning of the year where uh, I think he was getting pressured a lot. And, uh, you know, that, that leads to the jitters. And, you know, that's kind of understandable, particularly for a young quarterback. Um, but he still makes good throws. The ball placement, I like. I, you know, I like his ball placement. I think that's good, except for when he's, uh, you know, throwing bounce passes off the off his shoulder pads of his running backs. Um, 
but uh like in terms of when he's able to step up and make a real good throw i think the kid's got to show some real potential so um given the fact that both defenses are pretty good i i kind of give i kind of got to give the edge to the jets here um you know and i i kind of almost hesitate to say that uh just because i i've just seen the jets jet so many things up uh this past like for the past couple seasons but this is fair I'm going to go with the Jets here in a close game. Uh, again, a close, low-scoring game. Uh, it's going to be either that or the Eagles are going to blow you guys out. But I'm, I'm hoping the Jets are going to eke out a win here. All right, no middle ground. That's okay. Lauren. Sorry, the Eagles are going to blow you out, not the Jets. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Vegas has uh, Eagles as seven-point favorites. Uh, money line for the Eagles is minus 280. Money line for the Jets is plus 230, over-under is 45. I think it's a low-scoring game. I think the Eagles beat you guys. Um, I think, to me, it comes down to D- whose defense steps up, right? Whose defense shows up and whose defense plays better because both of these offenses can look look stagnant and can look lost at times. But the um, the last over the last three games uh, uh, against Denver, the Eagles scored 30 points. Against the Saints, they scored 40 points. And then they had they had kind of dropped the ball against the Giants. But I think that alludes to AJ's point always that divisional games can kind of be toss ups and be weird games. But I think that the I think their defense does enough, and I think their offense does enough to uh, to beat the Jets to beat the Jets in this one. Um, I think that like I just think it's going to come down to like I said, whose defense plays better? Because because uh, if they if uh, they follow the same formula you know you New York used for uh, 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 to beat to to beat the Eagles last week, then yeah, you guys got a shot because you guys have a legit defense. But if they can get Zach Wilson to Zach Wilson it up and throw to throw it throw it to their DBs, you know, um, I think they'll uh, I think they'll uh, the, the the Eagles got a real shot. But I th- I'm taking I'm think I'm taking the Eagles in this one. Um, I like them. I don't know if they cover that spread because I think it's going to be a low scoring game, but. Um, I think they. Uh, I think the the Eagles take the win here. And I think both of you guys hit the nail on the head for it, right? It's whose defense takes advantage of turnovers or, you know, flipping the field, the 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 position of the field and all that. So, it'll be probably one of those more boring games to watch, but uh, good time, anyways. I mean, look, cool. I'll say this for Jets games: they're never boring. <laughs> we always find a way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, talking about a team that uh, actually has made things boring, uh, switching over to the Baltimore Ravens versus the Steelers. Uh, Big Ben is a walking mummy. He is a shell of his former self. Not a not not like a not like a thin shell either. He's like he's he's like a he's just like a seal. He's a tub of lard shell of himself. Uh, more he's he's less mobile than a bonsai tree. Uh, Lamar Jackson has also been looking rather atrocious over the last two games, not playing well whatsoever, not an athlete, pissing down his legs, <laughs> for him. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, Lamar did, did, did beat the Browns this week, uh, which is a huge game. I think I just honestly, the Steelers defense is, is like their only saving grace. They still got TJ Watt. They still got Minka, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, they're not like, Oh, they still got Devin Bush too. I mean, they're not like an elite defense, but they do enough to keep it competitive. And then Roethlisberger is like, "Where am I again? Let me throw it this way," and he gives it to the other team. So I think the, the Ravens ch- are going to walk out with was, the dub here. It was the chuck over the shoulder for a, a pick six last week that kind of, <laughs> for me, that's what did it for me. I was like, "Bro, I know not to throw that pass. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what is big? Big Ben has played this year, this league for like." 150 years like you would think he would know not to do that but 
I, I, I guess, I guess not. I, I guess that lesson needs to be relearned occasionally. <laughs> so you got it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm taking the Ravens in this one. Uh, just, I mean, I, so the Ravens are injured. It's an injured team. They don't have their run, the running. I think we were talking about this before the pod, but, um, before we recorded, but like, I, I think, um, the thing, I think the thing is you've seen this year that the Ravens can be spectacular. Um, and, uh, that was, that was sort of always the case if, you know, given the assumption that the Ravens could field the, their football team, uh, you know, get them actually out on the field and everything. Um, but the fact of the matter is injuries, uh, has uh, injuries and COVID scares and illnesses have, has kind of prevented that from happening this year for the Ravens. So, um, so I think what you're seeing is, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's play is obviously a huge factor, uh, but you're seeing like sort of the outstanding will and grit of of Lamar Jackson um, and and a couple of other playmakers on that team, Hollywood Brown, uh, for example, and um, and Mark Andrews to to like will that team sort of will that offense to victory in in whatever circumstance, um, right? And I mean, they're never out of games. They're never they're never not going to be like right there with them. Um, it's a divisional game, and and I know you know the the go deep podcast rule is never bet against Mike Tomlin, um, but I'm taking the Ravens in this one. Um, I think the Ravens have a better football team, even with the even with the um, all of their injuries. Um, the Steelers' offense is just sort of not there, and 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 Big Ben is is just has been playing atrocious. Um, I, it's almost difficult to explain why he'd be playing so badly. You'd think after this long in the league, he would know how to read defenses and, and know not to throw the ball up at random times. Like, I mean, even Tom Brady has a bad game every now and again, but for the most part, he's pretty solid. You'd think that Big Ben had be, would be at that same point, given the amount of experience he has in the league. Apparently not. Um, and you know what would also be interesting in this game is going to be to see how the Baltimore Ravens adjust to the blitzes that are coming, because the blitzes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are coming. Uh, they're going to come hard. They're going to come fast. Uh, and I'm interested to see what um, what the Ravens are going to do to try and try and deal with that. Uh, do they throw more screen passes? Uh, do they trust their their sort of uh, ragtag band of of um, of running backs pulled off the practice squad and off the free agent uh, waiver wire? Uh, you know how how do they how do they deal with those how do they deal with those blitzes? Um, does Lamar try and throw? Uh, tr- does he try and read the blitzes as they're coming and throw, you know, throw into the empty, empty spot with a, with a hot reader to a, to a Mark Andrews or something. Um, that's going to be interesting to see if they make those adjustments. Cause if they don't, we're going to see another slog like we saw last week where maybe the Ravens pull it out. Maybe they don't. If he does make those adjustments, I think the Ravens run away with the game and it's, it's 40, 42 to nothing. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Lauren, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So Vegas has the Ravens here as a favorite at minus four money line minus, uh, 210 and uh the money line for the pittsburgh steelers is plus 175 over under is 44 yeah you know what uh, aj i was sitting there thinking um when you were talking about the blitzes coming at lamar i wonder how much he trusts his offensive line um in the sense that uh he's got the same sort of mentality you were talking about with jalen hurts where if my read's not there my first or second read isn't there i gotta tuck it down and go and teams are kind of trying to kind of figuring that out and um they're you know they it's like the Ravens have offensive weapons, but it's it's almost like like Taylor Heineke, for instance, scrambled, found John Bates for a first down, scrambled, found, uh, uh, you know, uh, Adam Humphreys randomly has a catch. It kind of seems like uh, I, when I watch the Ravens, if it's not going to Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown, like he's just running around trying to find something or someone to get open. Um, and so it, I, but I, all that to say, I've got the Ravens taking, taking it in this one. I think that the, um, 
The Steelers, the Steelers, only way the Steelers win this game is if their defense creates turnovers and they score uh, off those turnovers. Like uh, the defense either gets a pick six or a fumble for to get the ball in the red zone. Because uh, uh, I think that's the only chance hope Pittsburgh has, and I just don't really see that that happening. Um, I think it might be a slog, kind of like AJ said. It's it's in Heinz Field, so you know maybe that helps their defense give them more juice or something. Uh, playing at home, you know, you get to sleep in your own bed the night before. But yeah, the only chance Pittsburgh has is if that defense steps up and, and creates turnovers. Because you can uh, your defense can be as the best in the National Football League, but you can't you can't help it if your quarterback is just gifting balls to the other team and letting them. Re- run pick sixes and, and or return pick sixes and things like that so i've got the ravens winning this one i think they i think it's a i think it's a slog i think like uh aj said you know got the random running backs i think but lamar does enough um he's gonna he's this this year's probably alone is probably gonna take like 10 years off his life because he's just have to having to do it all and just uh you know it's just kind of my point i alluded to when the um when all these injuries started happening earlier on in the podcast saying, how long can he keep this up for? Cause he looked tired. I don't know. He looked a little worn out to me like, running around from those Browns, Browns defenders. Uh, you know, how, how often can he do it? You know, can he, can he keep it up for the long, the longevity of the season? And it's for me, it's like, he can probably, he might be able to stay healthy, but man, you just get tired. Like your body just gets worn out. And next thing you know, you're breathing heavy in the middle of the third quarter compared to, you know, towards the end of the fourth quarter, you know, of another game. Now you're breathing heavy in the middle of the third quarter because it's late in the season. Your body's beat up. Like, you know, it just, it all takes its toll on you. Um, the weather gets colder. That air gets colder. That that hurts. That burns your lungs. So we'll see. But I think Lamar does enough and the Ravens do enough here because I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are – are um are um tanking but watch i'm sure enough watch somehow mike tomlin will find a way to make it into the playoffs or some crazy nonsense at the end of the year you know somehow ben will like find the fountain of youth again for like four weeks or something like some nonsense like that so uh, i can't get over the the other thing the other reason i can't go with the steelers i can't get over that image of ben tripping and falling in an empty pot in a clean pocket we're like or that wasn't clean but like the pass rush was coming to his left and he like starts to roll right and he like literally takes a step and then just face plants and it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen in my life like the dude forgot how to run so like have anyway, you guys, got, have you guys seen the, the videos of, have you guys seen the videos of those uh those video games where like there's a video game where like you you disguised as an inanimate object, and the other, the object is for everyone else to come and find you and kill you. Yeah, and like that's what Big Ben is like. It's like it's, if he was reincarnated as a refrigerator, and like just moving around the in, in on a football field. Like that's what he would. He looks like when he, <laughs> like that's what he looks like. He's just like uh, he looks like a he looks like uh, Veggie Tales just just <laughs> hopping around out there. Oh <laughs> Larry the cucumber. Yeah, just Larry the cucumber drops back for a pass. Like, oh my on, yeah, uh, he looks. Yeah. He looks. He looks. Uh, he looks old. Yeah, he does. Does not. He looks look like good. his uh, his heyday has passed. He's a statue for sure. Yeah, this is the Ravens game to lose, um, for sure. So we'll see. Now here's a game that kind of uh, I rolled my eyes when you guys brought it up. Bills versus Patriots. Ooh, the media darling Mac Jones versus fucking Josh Allen. Uh. I fucking hate them both. I think they tie. Suck my dick. <laughs> hey Eric, hey Eric, can you tell us how you really feel? Like, I mean, just I just open up. Just let us know. Just you know, <laughs> I don't want to time. talk about it right now. Look, my best, my best Robin Williams voice. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. No, yeah, I think the uh, looks like they got the. the so this is, these games are always interesting to me betting wise because they have the Patriots as dogs. When I could definitely see the Patriots beating the Bills and how like the Bills have kind of been up and down this past this uh 
um, this season so far through the past couple of games. It's the, the the Bills. It's like beat Miami, lose to Jacksonville, beat the Jets, lose to Indy, beat beat uh, the Saints. Now you know what kind of what kind of what kind of uh, Bills team are we going to get here? And the you know the Patriots are on a winning streak. I mean, their last five, they've they've won, and then they made Tennessee was a, we thought we think's a top ranked team. You know, beat them thirty six to thirteen. So it'll be interesting, but yeah. So they got the Patriots. Vegas has the Patriots here has dogs plus uh plus three is the spread for the Patriots. Uh, plus one twenty is the money line. Uh, Bills minus two and a half or, or minus three, and then money lines uh, minus one forty over under forty three point five. This is a game you can make money on because it's because if you go Patriots, because the Patriots could could pull this out. Um, they're in. Uh, looks like that's. Uh, I think they're in. Um. But yeah, they're in. Uh, they're in Buffalo. So, and the Patriots are five and zero away. So five and zero when they're playing on the road. So, I mean, you definitely. I definitely see the Pats definitely pulling this out uh, and winning. And I could also see the Bills like flipping a switch and just turning into the Bill. You know, the Bills that we thought they, the dominant Bills we thought they were this season, and just 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 going to work. But I'm actually going to take the dogs. I think New England. I think the Pats come out. I think the Pats beat them. I think the Pats beat the Bills. Yep, I'm uh, I'm going against you this time as well. Uh, I think the Bills blow them out. I think it's a divisional game, and uh, it's not going to be close. I think the uh, I think Mac Jones shows his his youth, um, and he throws a couple interceptions, and uh, it's not going to be close. So that's my prediction for take the Bills. Uh, in my opinion, fuck them both. They both tie. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I definitely do have the Bills beating the Patriots here. I think, um, as AJ alluded to, uh, this elite Bills defense, I think, is going to make Jones finally look like a rookie for once. Um, Bill does a good job of protecting Mac in terms of like play call and play designs, um, or I should say, I should say, Josh McDaniels does because um, he's the offensive coordinator. But um, they just they're they're really smart with with the reads that they give them and and the routes like the route concepts and all that. And Mac's not an idiot. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback. He can he can read the right. Um, for now, he can read you know the right reads and progress through them and and make the right call. Uh, but I think Brian DeBull does a good job of, um, and that entire uh, Bills coaching staff does a good good job of just preparing the defense to go out there and make uh, just be a nightmare for the other team. Um, they did it against Zach Wilson. They did it against Trevor Lawrence. Um, and they'll do it against Mac Jones. So I got the Bills winning here. So anyways, fuck those guys. Uh, Cowboys versus Saints, the team that you guys love. Um, if it's true that Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill are playing, um, I, I think it's enough of an edge to make things interesting. But I think the Cowboys are going to dominate this game. Uh, they won't have McCarthy on the sidelines to hold them back. Um, I do believe that at least one of the two in Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb will be back, which gives uh, Dak a big boost there. Michael Gallup's a great receiver. Cedric Wilson's a great number three. Um, and even without Zeke, they still got Tony Pollard. So um, I think I think the Cowboys will come out and handle business, unfortunately for y'all. But uh, AJ, what you thinking? Yeah, you know, my instinct is to go with the Cowboys as well. I, I, I just – the thing is, I don't know who this Cowboys team is. You know, like they started out the season um, looking quite good, you know, huge offensive production, able to move the ball left and right. This past couple of weeks, I mean, they just, they're not catching passes. Uh, the defense, I mean, they're, it's the defense is out there, but you know, um, uh, 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 Diggs is not, is not getting as many interceptions and all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, the question is like, 
who does this football team want to be? And I don't know which team we're getting this week. You know, are we getting the are we getting the the Cowboys that just laid an egg on Thanksgiving, or are we getting the Cowboys that you know can really go out there? And 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 here's the thing: Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson had very similar performances this past week in football. And the thing is, Dak Wilson or Dak Prescott is not supposed to be hurt. So I don't really know what you know. Why is he missing throws? Why why is he off? I don't I don't I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, so I don't really know who, which, which, which football team we're getting here with this, with these Dallas Cowboys. What I will say is I think they have the better football team and I think they should win. Um, so I'm going to take them on the strength of that assumption, but that is an assumption. I don't know which team we're getting. So I, I don't feel, I don't feel very confident about this prediction, but I'm taking the Cowboys. How about you, Lauren? You know what they say about the Cow- assumptions. Yeah. Uh, I got the I got the uh, the Cowboys in this one too. I think that I was looking at their last game kind of track record. I was looking at the last game. You know, the Chiefs they laid an egg. Definitely did that there. But you know, in a shootout without his two top weapons, he he they they lost the uh, thirty six to thirty three in overtime against the Raiders in a game that he could have. You know, there were things that happened, but a game they could have definitely won without their two top receivers. So I think that they um, they can come in here and I think they can they can get they can get this win and probably get their season back on track with the uh, Taysom Hill led uh, New Orleans Saints. But uh, Vegas has the Cowboys as the favorites at minus four and a half. This money line spread is uh, minus 210. So in the Saints money line is plus 175 and the over-under is 47 and a half. For some reason, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think both teams are going to score score points. I think Dallas is going to jump on them early um, and kind of get ahead. And then it's going to force, you know, the Saints to, to roll. But, you know, almost that the knowing knowing now that Alvin Kamara might come back and, you know, having Taysom Hill at, at QB and running, I think they're going to play their backup quarterback, Trevor Simeon, as well, too. You know, I think so. I, I don't know. I think but I think Cowboys overall get this win. I think this is the get right game. They don't have Mike McCarthy there to mess things up and dick things up for them. So they'll um, they'll, they'll they'll come out victorious here, I think. Um, but I think it'll be a shootout. I think it'll be a high scoring game. I do. Uh, I just I think. um Taysom Hill, you know, coming back healthy with Alvin back there. I think they, 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 uh, it's going to, it might be a high scoring affair. So, but yeah, I'm taking Dallas. What about you, Eric? Did you take Dallas? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take Dallas. Um, I, it's, that's who I'm sticking with. But, um, to allude back to what AJ was saying about, you know, Dak looking, um, not looking right, like he's, like his throws are off. I think, I think part of the issue, um, and I watched I watched the game. I forgot who they were playing against um, like two weeks ago. Oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, their, Thanksgiving, their offensive line, I don't know what happened to it. I, they must have injuries or something, but it looks atrocious. Like their offensive line is just in bad. shambles. They're bad. so bad. Um, and I think that's part of the issue for Dak is that like he's coming back from that injury. Uh, he knows his He knows his offensive line's not good. Um, and he's just not trusting them. He, I think, I honestly feel like he's he's forcing it, uh, which is a shame. But uh, I think I think he can still do enough with the weapons around him, in spite of the line to win. So that's what I'm sticking with. Now another game, one game that I'm actually super excited about because of their two young quarterbacks is the matchup that I have been looking forward to for a hot minute here: Joe Burrow and his Bengals versus Justin Herbert and his Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, both phenomenal young quarterbacks. I think both of them are going to have bright futures for a very long time here. Um, Joe Burrow looks like he never tore an ACL. Justin Herbert is showing that he has absolute command of his offense. Um, but I'm taking the Chargers here. I think I fear the Chargers defense more than I fear the Bengals. And 
I think ultimately what's going to happen is uh, Herbert's going to have like that game winning drive and it'll just score a touchdown and call it a night. Um, I'm going with the Chargers. I, I do think this might be a high scoring affair. Both offenses are very explosive. They have phenomenal players on both sides. Um, I'm hoping Keenan Allen has a monster day on my fantasy team. Um, but Lauren, who you got? Yeah, so Vegas has uh, the Chargers as the underdogs. That it's a plus three spread. Money line's plus one forty-five. Money line for the Cincinnati is minus one seventy. Over under is fifty-one or fifty point five. But uh, you know, it's 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 hard. They the matchup predictor has it pretty much fifty-fifty. Uh, the game. I I think that I I wanted to go Chargers here. I really do, because um, I feel like they have a bounce-back game. After last week, it seemed like the receivers couldn't catch a ball to save their lives. I saw passes going through their receivers' hands for interceptions. And, but, and, and you know, I think that, like you said, their defense is pretty stout. But I like Cincy. I like Cincinnati. I like, the, I like that the, how hot they are right now. They're on a two-game winning streak. They, um, you know, they're, they're, they're coming into their own, you know. And Joe Burrow, man, that's who you that's who you dream about drafting in the first, you know, first overall pick. You know, he's turning that player. Like you said, he doesn't ever look like he tore his ACL. There's an issue there at all. Um, I think, and I think that I and then, you know, um, oh, where's he at? Uh is it Jamar Chase or who's that rookie that's going off uh for him at receiver right now? Yeah, so Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, you know. I think they did I think it's a shootout. I think it's a high scoring game. I think it'll be a really fun game to watch. Man, but I'm leaning, I'm kind of leaning towards Cincinnati. Um I just think, uh, and to, uh, why is just my gut telling me? I think I think the 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 Bengals get the win here, but I think it's close. I don't think I think it's going to be uh, kind of down. I don't think it goes. I don't think it goes one way or the other. I think it would kind of be a back and forth game, but yeah, we'll have to just see. So AJ, who do you got? Yeah, no, I've um, the only re- so I, I'm. This is a toss up game in my mind. It could go either way. I mean, if we get the chargers out here catching passes. I mean, there's no limit to what they can do because the fact of the matter is poor Justin Herbert just goes out there and throws the ball precisely where it needs to be like every single time. I mean, the man's ball placement is insane and his receivers are just not helping him out. I mean, just dropping passes left and right, uh, running the wrong routes, even Keenan Allen's dropping passes. I mean, and Keenan Allen has no business dropping passes and he knows that. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to go against the Chargers in that case, but in my mind, the team with the stronger running game is the Bengals with Joe Mixon. And I think that makes the difference in this game. I'm going with the, I'm going with the Bengals here. I think they can control the clock better. And I think that, uh, you know, they've got the proper amount of receivers uh, that can take advantage of a team that is strongly in favor of the run and then play off of that. So I, I go, I go with the, I think the Chargers will be playing from behind and that does not play in their favor because their receivers don't catch the ball. So I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with the Bengals in this one. I couldn't tell you what the score is going to be. I don't know what the over-under is, but I'm saying the Bengals will probably win because they were going to be able to control the game more. You heard it here first. Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow. Joe Squared will lead Cincy to a dub, according to AJ. That's a good point, though. That <laughs> Joe Mixon is actually probably one of the hottest running backs in the league right now. He's heavily underrated. Um, so, you know, maybe he's on fire. Yeah. I mean, he's having a hell of a him. You got him, you get him in the red zone. He's a problem. Yeah, for sure. So he's like, you know, got to see him playing college a bunch. <laughs> That's also <laughs> true. <laughs> him and him and him and the two headed beast back there. Samaj P Ryan takes oh, me back to, to take me back to the glory days. Them good old days. <laughs> uh, last game that we're going to talk about here. One that is, uh, we heavily debated even mentioning, but one worth bringing up. 
Chiefs versus Broncos, um, a Chiefs Chiefs team that seems to finally be getting getting right, um, getting getting back to their old ways. A Broncos team that, in my opinion, is insanely overrated. Um, I got the Chiefs absolutely just torching the Bron- uh, Broncos. Uh, their their past defense and their their defensive backs in Denver um, are are noteworthy, um, but I just I don't think they can hang. It's hard it's hard for you to stop Patrick Mahomes um, unless he stops himself. Um, I, although there, I think there is some uh, some credit to the idea that his brother and his TikToks have cursed him, um, and also being on back to back Madden covers has only amplified the Madden curse. But nonetheless, I think he does enough to beat two glove Teddy. Uh, AJ, who you got? Two glove Teddy. Yo, why you gotta do my man's like that? Hey, yo, make him sound like Mickey Mouse out here. My uh, man's out here throwing footballs with two gloves like it's a hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I've admits regardless, uh, I am going with uh, the Denver Broncos here, and I'll tell you why. I think that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, uh, do not really have an identity as a football team. They do not have a running game at all. They rely entirely on that passing game, and I think teams have figured that out. Uh, and it's a divisional game, so I think that the Broncos are definitely going to have figured that out, and they're going to be prepared for it. Um, so I expect uh, that it will be a close game, that the Chiefs will lo- once again lose um, because uh, it's, it's a divisional game, and, and the Broncos are going to be prepared for it. So I'm, I'm going with the Broncos on this one and two-glove Teddy. Uh Maybe maybe against my better judgment, but if I had to choose an upset this week, that would be the one that I choose. So, what do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I've got Kansas City here. I like Kansas City coming out of a bye. I feel like they got right going into the bye in that four week stretch of uh, beating, uh, going on a four game winning streak, and then the bye they have time to get healthy. And I think they're going to come out uh, guns guns are blazing and firing. Um, Vegas has the Kansas City as the favorites at a ten point spread. Uh, my, money line's minus 450, uh, over-under is 47, and the money line for the Broncos is plus 350. Yeah, I just think that Kansas City coming out of the bye is just going to be all be ready, to, gung-ho, healthy, feeling good, got some extra time off, I think, and I think they're just a team you don't want to play right now. I think they're, get, they got, they're getting hot at the right time, and um, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes has a couple, three touchdowns, 300 yards, Tyreek Hill, so, you know, three receptions, 150 yards, and a touchdown, you know, I think they just go to work, but that's who I got. Fair enough. Well, we've hit the point of the podcast now where we are going to turn it over to Lauren with his Maniac Minute. Lauren, take it away, my man. All right. So uh, another one o'clock game here on CBS is Minnesota Vikings versus the Detroit Lions. We've all decided to choose Minnesota. They are the the spread is plus seven money lines uh, uh, minus uh, 320. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Atlanta Falcons, 1 p.m. game on Fox. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to whoop that ass, uh, and we've all decided that spreads minus 11 and money lines minus 550. Cardinal, the Arizona Cardinals versus the Chicago Bears. Um, Arizona's the favorite here at minus seven, uh, seven and a half. Money lines minus uh, 350. We've got all got Arizona whooping uh, the Bears. Uh, it looks like our next one o'clock game here, another great one that'll be a fun matchup new york giants versus the miami dolphins um it looks like the miami's the favorite in this minus three uh money lines minus uh 150 uh plus 130 for the giants but we got we've all got miami beating the new york giants 
Another 1 p.m. game is Indianapolis Colts versus the Houston Texans. Indianapolis Colts have been playing well as of late and have seemed to have turned a corner this season. Um, they are the favorite by minus nine. Uh, minus nine. The money line's minus 420 and the over-under's uh, 46. We've all got uh, Indianapolis beating the, beating the Houston Texans. Los Angeles Rams versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we've all got Jacksonville. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the Rams are going to actually beat the beat the crap out of this team. Um, they're going to, sadly. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be real interesting when they fire uh, Ola Meyer down there after the end of the season. But anyway, all right. And then um, we've already discussed that game. And it looks like San Francisco 49ers versus Seattle Seahawks. We just saw a oh, kind of dumpster fire. The Seahawks are firsthand on, on national television. It's a 425 game on CBS. We've all got the 49ers uh, rolling in there and beating them up. So that's it. Thank you so much, Lauren. And with that, ladies, gentlemen. Oh, wait, wait, one second. For my NBA watchers tonight, oh. we've got the Golden State Warriors playing the Phoenix Suns, the two top basketball teams in the NBA. It's going to be exciting action. You get a chance to see Steph Curry out there. Uh, by this time, it'll be too late when it come, when this episode comes out, but you definitely want to hi- watch the highlights because this could be a preview of the Western Conference Finals out here. Uh, it's on TNT right now. Go watch. <laughs> also, last minute, uh, the Nets survived the Knicks I- at the end of the game there. Uh, Nets take the win, 112-110. to 110. And the Panthers beat the Washington Capitals tonight in hockey, 5-4. to four. Um, Doesn't mean that we're not having a good season because we are. But yeah, everyone listening in, all our listeners, we appreciate y'all so much. Thank you for your patience with our holiday season and us just taking the moment to be with our families and not stressing ourselves out a little bit. Uh, We'll be coming at you with more hot takes next week. And as always, go deep. Go deep. Go deep.